Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Boulder shooter Ahmad was a radical Islamist sympathizer. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, you heard it right. I put myself out there as usual and said that Ahmad Alisa was indeed a radical Islamist sympathizer. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what exactly that means, or I mean by that in a minute. But um, first, let me say how, um, you know, you haven't been, <laughs> I, I guarantee you haven't been hearing uh, this because indeed, just like all the attacks since 9-11, um, the first thing that the media does when there is an attack is to, if, the perpetrator, if they suspect that the perpetrator is uh, a terrorist, a radical Islamist terrorist, the last thing you're going to hear is their name or their photo. Now, in this particular case, the Boulder shooter, Boulder, Colorado, we're talking about, of course, the Boulder shooter, there was someone at the scene of the crime who was live streaming it. So we got to see who the shooter was right at the pretty much right away. I mean, at least after he was captured. Um, and yes, he did look like a Muslim. Um, and not that all again, not all Muslims are terrorists and not all terrorists are Muslims, but I guarantee that was in the mind of a lot of people watching this video. Um, oh, he looks like a Muslim. And then, <laughs> Um, did we hear anything about that? Eventually, we heard his name, eventually, um, but not for quite some time. And even now, the most we have heard in terms of um, official, and I don't even, you know, I'm not sure how official you could say that it was, except for the fact that it was in the New York Times, which I guess makes it somewhat, somewhat official, depending upon what the story is about, really. Um, there came news that the FBI knew about Ahmad al-Issa uh, because he was connected to someone who they have, um, who they've been watching, who they are suspicious about. Now, you know, what, what could they be suspicious about this other guy for? I shouldn't assume it's a guy, perhaps it was a woman, but this other person for, what would they have been, what would the FBI be looking at them for? Now, I presumably it could be a, a big range of things, but the most likely thing in this particular case was that it was terrorism related. So that is as far as we got with any semi-official um, media connection to terrorism. 
Well, I'm going to talk to you today about some things that are more make would make you wonder even more about um, his connections to radical Islamist terrorism. Um, and they're very, very interesting ideas for you to ponder. But first, let me back up a little bit and um, talk about, I just want to mention that um, I'm calling him Ahmad because that's easier to, um, to, uh, to rather than tripping over pronunciations. Um, Ahmad was the, and the Boulder shooting was the second mass shooting, as we know, in recent weeks. Um, the first one was Robert Aaron Long in Georgia. Now, what's interesting about the two of them is that both of them have mental illness. Um, Robert in Georgia was um, said, told the police right at the beginning that he has a, a sex addiction. Um, and in fact, he was treated in halfway houses for a sex, sex addiction. And he was addicted to pornography and apparently he was addicted to going to these uh, massage spas. And his idea was that he was wanted to get rid of um, the massage parlor because they were too much of a temptation. Now, of course, the media, well, I'll get to that in a second, but so, okay. So, and Robert, I can tell you, has more than a problem with um, sex addiction or porn addiction. Clearly his underlying issues are more severe than that because it is, a, it is concrete thinking. That's the psychiatric name for it. When you want, when you think that if you get rid of something, if you think in tangible terms, terms, that if you get rid of something, concrete terms, if you get rid of something like his wanting to get rid of these massage parlors, that that will get rid of the temptation. So clearly he has other thinking, um, uh, more than an addiction, he has a thinking disorder as well, whether this is schizophrenia or a manic depressive illness, also called bipolar, is left to be seen. Now, what was also affecting him was that his parents, his family was very religious. And um, so they made him feel guilty for having, for watching porn and so on. And in fact, on the night of, um, the night before he went on this shooting spree, his parents threw him out of their house because he was still watching porn after he had been treated for a sex addiction. And so they just came to the end of their rope, they threw him out which is yet another example uh, that proves that tough love as a means of dealing with uh, children, relatives, family, or friends who have an addiction does not work. And in fact, ends really badly. So, okay, so that is similar to uh, Ahmad because as his family has come out and told us, uh, you know, it's always, always, um, amazing, but always disappointing that when after there is a um, there is a shooting of some sort or some kind of crime, the family, uh, first they say, oh, we're so shocked, family and friends, we're so, so shocked, we never thought so-and-so would do such a thing. And then, of course, it comes out that there were all these red flags about mental illness that they totally ignored. So same thing with Ahmad, his, his brother and other family members have talked about his being paranoid, feeling that people were after him and so on. And he is going to turn out to have um, a mental illness. And as I've talked about in previous podcasts, Harris Therapist podcasts, 
um, mental illness and terrorism or um, radical Islam, is there, the two of them, <laughs> and being a jihadist, those things are not mutually exclusive. And in fact, people with mental illness are more to being influenced by radical Islamist propaganda. Okay, now the other things that these two have in common, and then I'll get back to Ahmad and his being a sympathizer with terrorists. Um, the other thing that they have in common is how people jumped on these attacks to try to get the media, to try and succeed actually, to get the media to um, talk about their agenda. So for example, in Georgia, uh, ever people who wanted to uh, jump on this called it a hate crime against Asians. And that, you know, got all over the media and there are protests and all of that. It was not a hate crime against Asians, I can assure you. If these uh, spa workers uh, had been um, any other ethnic background, he would still have shot them. And he did, in fact, um, the six of the eight who he killed were Asian. So it was not about that. Um, now, Ahmad, on the other hand, um, they, they, <laughs> that is the last thing that they wanted to say about Ahmad in terms of it being related to terrorism. Um, even though there is absolute reason to believe this, and I do believe this, and I came out and said this from, from the very, when it first hit the news that this uh, attack in Boulder happened, I started tweeting about it being terrorism. Um, and so, the, but the media isn't talking about that and isn't talking about, um, you know, this being, uh, you know, about this being um, alleged, Islamophobia. We did hear about some Islamophobia, but we did have not heard um, concretely about this being a, a terrorist, a radical Islamist inspired uh, attack, a jihadist attack, in other words. We are not hearing about that. And why? Because, um, well, I will, <laughs> I'll get into that a little bit later, but let me just, just um, a few facts, uh, just to put this in historical perspective. This Boulder shooting occurred on March 22nd, 2021. Ahmad killed 10 people, including a police officer who was the first one at the scene um, after the police were, call were called. It happened at a King Supers supermarket. And, um, and Ahmad was born in Syria. He came to the United States with his family and they uh, eventually moved to an area near Boulder. Now, um, now we're gonna get into, into the jihadist aspect. Um, There, why is it that um, that the media does not want to say the names or provide photos of uh, perpetrators of violent crimes, particularly attacks like this, if the name or the picture would lead one to suspect that the person was Muslim? Well, it's because um, they don't want to have the American public leap to conclusions based on negative stereotypes of Muslims, and also because they don't want the American public to panic 
that this is going to be uh, another 9-11 attack or that more 9-11 type attacks are coming. Um, so now there are two ways of looking at his connection to terrorism. And I'm not talking about domestic terrorism, I'm talking about radical Islamist terrorism when I talk about terrorism here. So there is the idea of um, Sharia supremacism, the idea of being a real jihadist, or there is the other possibility, this other way of being connected to terrorism, which is Muslim as victim of Islamophobia. So when we come back, I'm gonna be talking about both of these ideas and how they would have affected um, Ahmad and the Boulder shooting. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. Today, we're talking about the Boulder shooter, Ahmad, and was he, and I'm saying that he was, a radical Islamist sympathizer. Now, um, I am now gonna be talking about sort of the subtle differences between, um, there are two types of radical Islamist sympathizers uh, in regard to analyzing Ahmad. Um, was he a jihadist? In other words, an aggressive um, radical Islamist trying to take over the West or at least take over Boulder um, and uh, you know, enact Sharia law and all of that. Was he sympathizing with that aspect of radical Islamism? Or was he a victim of Islamophobia? Or was it both? You know, Because in fact, being a victim of Islamophobia can well spur one on to becoming a jihadist. So let's look at this. Um, the idea, uh, well now, as I said earlier, he was born a Muslim. He proclaimed himself on social media. I don't know if um, you may have gotten to see uh, as I have uh, on the internet, some pieces of what he posted on Facebook, some other social media outlets, um, they took them down, but um, but some there are some people who managed to um, preserve, get uh, screenshots and post them on their social media. So um, you may have seen that um, his Facebook account, for example, that's now deleted, and it had a lot of Islamic messaging. But so far, as far as what has been recovered, um, it is not the usual aggressive jihadist mode of posting things on social media. You know, not, um, not about, not threatening, at least not directly threatening and aggressive as is typical of jihadists. Instead, his social media posts were more about himself as victim of Islamophobia. And um, he talked about his Islamic faith in terms of his being a target, it made him a target. He, he had all these paranoid ideas about he, how he was uh, under surveillance, how his phone was hacked. He wrote, for example, racist homophobes hacking my phone. Um, he talked about the, um, the attack on the mosques in New Zealand and um, he about how that was due to Islamophobia and how angry he was about that. 
he referred to that as not due to one man, the shooting, but due to the industry of Islamophobia. Um, but interestingly, when he was a when he was when he was younger, when he was 15, and the um, the attacks occurred in France, you know, the Bataclan concert hall and other locations in Paris. And by the way, as I've mentioned before in some of these podcasts, I was um, at the, I went to the Bataclan concert hall after the attack to feel what it would feel like to have been there when it was being attacked by jihadists. It was quite a chilling experience. Um, on the one hand, it was a, an uplifting experience because there was a concert and it was very uplifting music and it was uplifting just the sense that people were there, it were going to the Bataclan again, even after the attack. So in other words, it was still alive. But anyhow, getting back to Ahmad, um, during when this occurred, this attack in Paris, um, he, his post showed that he was mourning the attack. In other words, he was against the jihadist. He you know, thought that the attack was horrible, um, which might go along with what his brother has said uh, that he changed during high school, that he was a nice kid beforehand and with all the bullying and so on that went in, in high school that was, um, um, you know, uh, that he interpreted as Islamophobia, that he interpreted as being attacked. And I mean, not necessarily interpreted. I mean, I think that it, a lot of it was the, uh, that he was being bullied because of um, being Muslim, but um, but it was, he was also being bullied because you know he was a very uh, he had these angry outbursts and stuff. It wasn't just because of his being Muslim. Um, so now, so so this part of being a terrorist sympathizer has to do with Islam as victimology, as his being a victim. For example, when he was on the um, wrestling team in high school, he complained about being discriminated against. And he has said, if anybody tried anything, meaning blaming him for something, he would file a hate crime and say they were making it up. So between that, um, his being bullied and his being antisocial and having different psychological problems, um, he was a loner. He didn't have any friends. He posted something, uh, the hashtag need a girlfriend on Facebook. So he was a lonely guy with a lot, with a big temper um, and uh, could well, uh, primarily related to his feeling that um, he was bullied because of his Islam religion. Um, and that could well have been part of, um, you know, both of those things contributed to, let's say, his terrorist sympathies. So there are some, lots of other interesting things in regard to that. Um, for, now, the, the other, one other way of looking at this is, or another way, there are lots, I'm going to be telling you lots of ways. <laughs> another way of looking at it is, um, as you may recall from some past terror attacks, that when um, a terrorist, a real radical Islamist terrorist attacks, sometimes the family will say that the person is crazy uh, or has mental problems. And they do that on purpose as a false narrative to hide that this was a terrorist attack. Now, generally, you know, generally, um, and that's not across the board because 
uh, generally the terrorists themselves who perpetrated an attack um, and oftentimes their families will purpose will be proud of um, you know want to make the person a hero um, a martyr and so they won't hide that it was a terror attack but sometimes they do and um, they um, the there's um, there are some people who some organizations who are saying that Ahmad was actually taught and trained in Boulder, Colorado to be to wage jihad. There are some some of his social postings um, are rather interesting in terms of um, terrorism. He said he wrote Mary wears a hijab and Jesus doesn't eat pork and prays on his knees and hands. They're both Muslims. That's not really terrorism, but it's you know pride in his religion. Now, one of the things that's really interesting is that he attended Arvada West High School in Boulder, where Shannon Maureen Conley went. You may remember this girl. She was um, arrested in 2014 and charged with providing material support to ISIS. She was the one who at 19 years old fell in love online with an ISIS fighter and tried to go to Syria. And remember, this is where uh, Ahmad came from, Syria. Um, then there is just one mosque in Boulder that is publicly listed. It's called the Islamic Center of Boulder. And um, so they are saying that if Ahmad did go there, he would have been taught um, to that Muslims were obligated to wage jihad. I mean, this is from an, a, this is an opinion of someone who is familiar with that um, mosque. I, I do not personally know what is taught at that mosque. Um, also some significant things in terms of Boulder and terrorism. There is uh, a jihadi infrastructure in Colorado, organizations that have been around for decades. There have been a number of um, uh, famous terrorism cases or people, in addition to Shannon Maureen Conley, who have been connected to Colorado, for example, the famous terrorist Anwar al-Awlaki, um, who, uh, who was the leader of Al-Qaeda in Yemen. He was killed by a US missile strike, but he was the president, his connection to uh, Colorado is that he, he, you know, he's a very famous terrorist and he influenced many, many other terrorists. He did lots of um, social media and lots of videos and, and so on. Um, and he's really been a big influence to jihadists. And he used to be the president of the Muslim Students Association at Colorado State in Fort Collins, which is one hour north of Boulder. Dum, dum, dum. So there are these interesting connections between radical Islamism and uh, Colorado. So um, that's what they are, interesting connections. <laughs> okay, when we come back, I will tell you some more interesting connections in regard to the Boulder shooter, who I am saying was a radical Islamist sympathizer. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show where we're talking about Ahmad El Issa, um, who is the Boulder shooter. Um, question being, is he a terrorist, a radical Islamist terrorist? 
And if so, um, is he a jihad, an aggressive jihadist type or a victim of Islamophobia type uh, or both? Um, certainly being a victim of any kind of discrimination makes one angry and um, encourages one to act out. Now, um, let's see. Now, you know, and I'm purposely saying, is he a, a, a radical Islamist terrorist rather than an ISIS terrorist or an Al Qaeda terrorist? Because as I was just talking about, um, there are, you know, there are people, there are uh, famous people and famous instances connected to Colorado, not that he would have only been influenced by things that happened in Colorado, but like, for example, you know, I was talking about um, the woman who went to his high school. Um, now she is a little older than he is. She is approximately 25 now. And he is given, has been given various ages from 21 to 23. He certainly doesn't look like he's only 21, but in any case, and yes, these pictures are amazing, both of him and of the Georgia shooter. When you look at pictures of them from a few years ago, you know, uh, they, uh, there have been pictures posted of the um, Georgia sh shooter as well. And just like Ahmad, both of them in just oh, the last three to five years, their physical uh, appearance has changed so much in the sense of you could just see their deterioration, you know, their physical appearance reflecting their inside deterioration, their mental deterioration, which again begs the question as to why the family and friends of these people, particularly fa family really, you know, it's more their responsibility, didn't get these people help. Um, so anyhow, so, so you know, it's, it's very, it's a very intriguing thought um, as to how much Ahmad knew about um, uh, Shannon, you know, the um, Shannon Maureen Conley, who was the 19-year-old, um, who, who when she was 19, fell in love with a jihadist and tried to go to Syria. And she was caught because they were following her and they stopped her at the airport. Um, so, you know, that she went to his high school. Surely he knew about this, even if he wasn't there at exactly the same years. Um, this would have been a big story in Boulder and in Colorado, as it was in, in the whole world, for that matter. This was a big story. And um, so did he want to copy her? Did he want to be as famous as her? Did he even know her? Um, that would be amazing if it turns out that they actually had met. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking because certainly they're, you know, they're, they, they lived near each other and they, you know, went to the same high school, even if it was at different years. Um, wasn't that far apart. So he, he could well have met her and ha had a relationship with her. I mean, not a romantic relationship since he's looking for a girlfriend, but um, I mean, it's possible, I guess, but not likely. But in any case, um, you know, all of these things, it's so interesting to look at all of these different influences um, that were undoubtedly some more than others affecting him. So now uh, another thing that has come up is how um, President Biden 
was briefed after the uh, Boulder shooting, was briefed about the fact that he may have had, or he has, you know, however, um, however President Biden was told about this, either that he may have had, that Ahmad may have had, or actually had um, ISIS sympathies or uh, terrorist sympathies. So, um, you know, supposedly he was briefed about that, but he ain't telling. Then there is a woman named Laura Loomer, who is, um, she is a Syrian migration expert and former congressional candidate. And she is saying that um, Ahmad swore allegiance to ISIS before the attack. And she may well know. <laughs> um, she, uh, so she is talking about that. She's been talking in the media about that. She said that a uh, a source, she's, she said that she got her information from a source in Boulder Law Enforcement, Boulder Law Enforcement. And um, she, who told her that Ahmad killed in the name of ISIS. And, um, now she is saying, and it, it has also been said by um, someone else um, who is a terrorism expert, um, Robert Spencer, that the reason why this is being so carefully hidden, an additional reason besides the fact that it's usually hidden when it's a, um, you know, when it's a person who could well be a radical Islamist. But in addition, these days, today it is hidden because um, Biden doesn't want to have criticism over uh, the, his decision to rescind Trump's travel ban targeting Muslim countries. So in other words, if it, when it finally, if when it finally comes out by people in addition to myself and the ones that I've been mentioning, if it finally comes out that yes, indeed, he had these, he was influenced by, he had ties to perhaps as well, um, ISIS or Al Qaeda, um, then of course, Biden is going to be widely criticized for, um, for changing, you know, for taking away, for rescinding the Trump's travel ban. And, you know, everyone's gonna be saying Trump was right that in having this travel ban targeting Muslim countries, which I indeed think that he was. And we're gonna be seeing lots of things that um, it's not just mar Muslim countries, you know, by Biden opening the borders essentially to whoever wants to come across the Southern borders. Um, there are definitely terrorists coming across. In fact, I did a podcast a while back about um, giving you examples of terrorists, real radical Islamist terrorists who have come across the, um, the border. So, um, so he's going to be uh, potentially you know, blamed for that as well when it, we finally have a, a real terrorist coming across who gets caught and uh, is you know announced to have come across the border after Biden opened it. Um, the southern border I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. Well, that um, that is pretty much. You know, there are just there are different quotes about um, about the his uh, people, his classmates, and so on. You know, it's very interesting. Another interesting fact 
is that um, he was a was active. He he won some medals and so on, although he didn't get as far as he wanted, and he was very bitter about when he would lose in wrestling. And who else was a big wrestling fanatic? Um, uh, in a, a, who is a radical? Who was a radical Islamist terrorist? It was the elder Sarnayev brother. Um, I remember, and part of his uh, disenchantment with the United States was he wanted to be, he wanted to to play, to to um, to wrestle, uh, or or box, or have participate in some sport in the um, in the Olympics, notably wrestling, and and that didn't happen. He wasn't good enough, and um, that too was a part in his. Uh, getting disappointed and angry and so on with the United States. I mean, that is a problem that exists in a much more generic kind of scale, that there are people who go on to become radical Islamist terrorists who had come to the United States um, as college students, for example, typically college students, and they were uh, bullied or they were discriminated against. And perhaps when they came to the United States, they didn't have um, a hatred for America. But after having these experiences, there are um, examples of notable terrorists who then went back to their countries and ultimately attacked America. So this is a problem. I mean, needless to say, discrimination, racism, and all of that um, does have uh, far-reaching implications does make a ripple, you know, ripple effects, and does in fact uh, have an influence on people who do become radical Islamists, perhaps just like Ahmad in Boulder, Colorado. Colorado. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.